Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. So IXL Learning is a multi-subject online program for kids, and it's used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. 14 million students use it. And if you have kids who are trying to get ahead or if they're struggling with certain subjects or studying for a test that's coming up, IXL is this personalized learning tool that you can use to help kids learn what they need to learn faster. And they have programs K through 12, so there's something for every level. And some of my nieces and nephews have been homeschooled, and so my family has used tools like this to supplement curriculum or to brush up or to sharpen skills. IXL Learning has won tons of awards, and so many students have benefited from it. So make an impact on your child's learning, get IXL now. And Ologies listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Ologies. So visit IXL.com slash Ologies to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Oh, hey, it's your friend's dog who's more affectionate with you than your own dog. But it's fine. It's totally fine. Allie Ward, back with a magical, historical, artsy episode of Ologies that is not about butts. Okay, so settle down. So today we're talking with a longtime theater legend, a prop master, a veteran of stage and screen who has captured our hearts very recently, having started a TikTok account under the handle Proptologist. So in the last four months, a quarter of a million people have followed him to hear tales of props of yore and fabrication techniques and honestly, some really solid life lessons. He's a gift to the world, quite honestly. And he spent years as the head of props for New York City's public theater. He is an adjunct professor of props design at Pace University, and he is wonderful. Um, really quick before we get into it, thanks to everyone supporting at patreon.com slash ologies for as little as a buck a month. Thanks to everyone wearing merch from ologiesmerch.com and everyone subscribing and telling a friend or social networks about the show and for leaving reviews such as this piping hot fresh one left for me to read like a creep by reviewer X who wrote, very angry, five stars. I hate this show. It's so good. And now I have no idea what to be. But seriously, all the speakers on this podcast are super passionate and it makes listening to it all the more comforting. I still have the whole predicament of not knowing what to do. Thanks, Dad Ward, Matt Face. Happy to not help, kiddo. Who knew jobs and passion could be so interesting? Probably this guy. So speaking of proptology, from the word prop, from the word property, from a 14th century word meaning things subject to ownership. Now, I did not know proptology existed until a Twitter user by the name of Rose alerted me and I said, boy, howdy, hot damn, get me this proptologist. And Google was like, did you need a butt doctor? And I was like, no proptologist.com. Let's just go there. We scheduled a time and got to know each other a little while he grabbed his headphones. And side note, while he did, I happened to look out the window and spot a hummingbird nest. Do you see that little nubbin in the nest? That's a freaking hummingbird's nest. 
So this episode is blessed and holy. So this week we have one of the world's most beloved and only self-proclaimed proptologists here to chat about everything from stage curses to weathering antiques, thrifting, sanitation workers, Broadway legends, Hamilton trivia, museum backstages, tool belts, fake food hacks, internships, and why the arts should be the last place with a high fence. Legend, icon, sweetie Petey, master of properties, national treasure, and professional proptologist, Professor Jay Duckworth. Mr. Duckworth? Ali Wong. <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> I am so well. First thing I'll have you do is say your name and your pronouns. I'm Jay Duckworth. My pronouns are he, him, and I was born in the Illini Native Territory in Missouri. You're a proptologist. Born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you have any idea how many interviews start off with me being like, and you're a this and this? And they're like, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I invented the term. So I know. So therefore, uh, <laughs> I can I can stake a claim in it. And actually, when I got my website, there was uh, a guy in Florida who had proptologist.com. Mm-hmm. Because he did props on boats. So I got .net and I was just waiting <laughs> and waiting and I would check almost every day. And after about four years, uh, he dropped it and I bought it immediately. Yeah, and, and I paid for it for like 10 years. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, it was cool. How, how, when was the first time someone called you a proptologist or you called yourself that? I did it honestly because I needed a... No one thinks... okay. No one thinks about props. You start the show by getting your script and your director. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. director looks for a set designer who sets up the entire thing. And then you get a costume designer. Once you have those two major things, you look for your lighting and then sound. And mm-hmm. the last person at the last minute is props. And it's usually all the budget's already gone by then. So oh. I, had to, I had to think of some way to stand out. And it it was such an incredible play on words that I <laughs> that I put it on my card, and I would always introduce myself was it hello I'm R J Duckworth proptologist, and people would be like what the f-? and and people actually would come to me in different theaters that I would work at, and be like this is the guy that's the guy you got to meet him. <laughs> so oh god, so you ended up making a name for yourself by making a name for your job, kind of literally, yeah. Absolutely. So great. (laughs) I I love marketing. Marketing is is so it's 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 just wonderful science. Well, you know, I became aware of you because someone saw your website and they tweeted at me and they're like, you have to have him on. And immediately I was like, that's a hard yes. There's no way I can't talk to this guy. And I started looking into some of the things that you've worked on and I'm just going to make you rattle off some of your credits, stage and screen. Sure. Can you tell me some of your, your favorite things you've worked on? Um, the there, I mean, I got to start out of the gate with you know uh, Hamilton is yeah. is the big elephant in the room because mm-hmm. I, I've worked 
I've worked in my career. I've worked with some of the greatest masters and theater royalty since the golden age of theater. I was so lucky to work with Arthur Lawrence when he was still alive and Sondheim. You know, I, I worked with both of them on the same show. Uh, oh, oh God. no, it was, yeah, it was insane. And the first <laughs> time I did a prop, uh, a show I propped, it was, uh, Arthur Lawrence wrote the book. He also was directing it, and it was starring Cheetah Rivera. Arthur Lawrence, side note, legendary playwright of West Side Story, the musical that launched Cheetah Rivera, who played Anita in it, and the two collaborated for years. And yes, Jay got to work with them. Bananas. This is my, oh my first God. pop gig. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> so that was, oh that was nuts. So Hamilton comes along, and it's just this incredible gorgeous thing we did a workshop for it to bring backers in and everything and at the end of the workshop i was crying and i walked up to our artistic director and he said yeah it's it's that good and i was like it's not that it's like i've never been a part of something that i knew was going to change our entire industry oh my god and 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 working with people that i that i've worked with i've you know, it's like, oh, this is going to be really good. Oh, this is going to be good. This is, you know, this is a breakthrough for trans people. You know, this is a musical mm-hmm. about trans people. This is, you know, this is really great. You know, uh, Brother Size, you know, Terrell McCraney. Terrell McCraney, side note, won an Oscar in 2017 for Best Adapted Screenplay for the film Moonlight, which was based on his play in Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. So Jay gets to dress the sets and craft the objects that bring these stories to life. But we were on the topic of Hamilton. Yes. But this was just because it was so Shakespeare. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm rattling on. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. <laughs> I saw it on. I mean, I saw it um, in New York. I, I waited in line for six hours. Oh, my on God. The pavement. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> like, I'm right there with you. What did you think? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I was bawling. I mean, I, I went by myself, sat on the pavement for six hours. Um, the person in line in front of me was the last person to get a ticket. And then <sighs> a harried father with three small kids walked up to the line and said, someone can have this at face value if you want to come in with me. And I was like, I'll, I'll take it. And I went in with him and his three kids. I think he must have gone through a very recent divorce. Oh. And uh, the other parent was not present. And so essentially... His daughter fell asleep on my shoulder. We oh were way God, up in the so nosebleeds. And I watched his kid while he went out for a smoke break. It was I think people thought must have thought I was his wife. But yeah, it was absolutely worth it. I got it for $99 and I wept through most of it. Hamilton Dorks, it's okay if you cried. Also, I think about that guy a lot and I hope his family is okay. I'm going to cry again. But the reason I, I, I loved it, and I, I, I'll get off this in a second, is it's Shakespearean. It's uh, mm-hmm. our history plays done in the verse and uh, songs of the time we live in, which is exactly, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look back at John Gay and the Beggar's Opera, boom, that's it. And if you look at all of the um, classical plays by Shakespeare, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I work at Shakespeare in the Park, and I, I work in a lot of uh, different Shakespeare shows, and Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, I had my thumb in. A rock opera of sorts about the guy on the $20 bill. So historical in nature. Jackson's on the 20, right? There's a lot of them. There's just Uh a lot of fun ones. (laughs) And what was the, I'm so curious what the the first prop you ever started making. I mean, were you like uh, elementary school, middle school, high school theater nerd? Like where did it start? It started when I was way little. Because mm-hmm. I would steal the aluminum foil and I'd make knights 
on horseback out of them. And my mom was just like, "Are you, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know? And there, uh, when, when we were little kids, the McDonald's lids had the different characters pressed into the plastic. And she was an artist, so I'd ask her to borrow acrylics, and I would paint those. And she was an artist, and she helped revive the uh, Mississippi Valley folk art movement in Missouri. And my mm-hmm. father was a construction worker. He, he, he was a pipe fitter. So I learned all my art from my mom, and I learned all my construction skills from my father. So I really, honest to oh. God, was being trained to be a prop person since, <laughs> you know, since I was a kid. So I think, I think it was Halloween stuff. Halloween has really got what got me in. Oh, I never thought about that being like not only a portal for souls and spirits, but also just for industries and oh, yeah. artists. Gateway drug. <laughs> Halloween yeah. is literally a gateway drug. It makes the second amount of money than uh, Christmas, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to get. There's a lot of things to acquire for it. What kind of costumes did you have? Did you have like gory face falling off ones? Or did you have like, I am, yeah, in full chain mail I made out of? Oh, uh, <laughs> No, I, uh, I I would do zombies and I would do vampires and stuff like that because uh, my mom really encouraged me. My parents really encouraged me. I'm really lucky. Uh, mm-hmm. So she would buy me makeup kits and I would learn how to like put makeup on. And, you know, mm-hmm. because she was an artist, like I said, she taught me about highlights. She taught me about shadows <laughs> and color mixing. And so I, I would do friends in the neighborhood and my, my dad and mom would set up a little haunt. And this is in the seventies, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just like a, a screened in porch that we would hang like uh, curtains on. And like my mom would dress up like a witch, you know? <laughs> so it was like, you know, so that's where, you know, that's where I, you know, so I learned how to do props from there, you know, just like the fun stuff around the house. When did people start giving you money for it? And what was that like to have a paid gig? Oh, God. The first time I ever got money, money for it was when I sent something out on tour. And that was the mm-hmm. first time I ever got residuals. But oh. uh, as an as an apprentice, I worked at Berkshire Theater Festival under my mentor, Alan Cutler, who teaches at Rutgers University now. Mm-hmm. But come to find out he was an ex-Benedictine monk and he taught me everything uh, about history. So I was getting, oh my God. Oh yeah. That, it was nuts. It was nuts. Mm-hmm. So I worked at the Berkshire theater festival and I just fell in love with it because it, it, it was all the nerd stuff that I needed. It was history. It was carpentry and it was artistry and a little bit of witchcraft thrown in, <laughs> you know, cause we were doing, yeah. you know, we were doing like, I think, I think it was uh, the Scottish play. Quick aside, so this is the Shakespearean play that rhymes with Bicameth. And according to the Royal Shakespeare Company, the bard lifted a real spell from some actual witches and put it in the play. And the witches were like, canst thou not, though? And it's said to be a cursed production with weird sudden deaths and accidents happening in some historical runs. So you don't utter the play's name in a theater. But that is where Professor Duckworth fell in love with proptology. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, you can't say that, but no. you know what it is. Yes, 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 yes. yes, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and, you know, I'm so curious. This is obviously, you know, not the sharpest question, but what exactly is a prop? What? No, that's what a, is a brilliant, prop? brilliant okay. question. Okay, like no. what's set, what's prop, what's wardrobe? How? I know it's like unionized, so there's got to be some lines. Well, how do you determine? There is no prop union. Ah! Yeah. I, that's Please, Allie. 
please. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Uh, but, uh, okay, picture, and I always use this. I use this when I lecture, and I use this uh, with my class when I teach. It's uh, if you move into a new apartment, anything you bring into that apartment to make it yours is a prop. Mm. And then there's a mix between costumes and props, which is called propstumes. Uh-huh. And that is if I give, if a dad is given a tie in one act, act one, scene one, uh, and he never wears it, that's a prop. The box, the tie, the tissue paper, that's all, that's all a prop. If mm-hmm. the dad wears it, act one, scene two, then it becomes a propstume. Because we have to have a double for that prop. So it never leaves the box. And the other one is rigged so that it could be easily put on between scenes. Ah, that's so genius. Oh, yeah, it's it's crazy because if you try to think about how much theater is, and one of my friends asked me, he's like, how, why does theater cost this much? And I was looking at your clothes. I was like, how much is that belt? How much are those pants? How much is this? How much is that? And I said, this is just this scene. Remember this morning, we were wearing something different. And then when mm. we went out, we had to eat something. So it's like, it's all those environments, and all those different outfits all cost something new. And then they have to be augmented. Yeah. Well, are there doubles for all props? Mm, no, but there are s- things that are called uh, perishables. Mm-hmm. And when we did Fun Home, the musical Fun Home, Fun Home, if you're not familiar, is the first Broadway musical with a lesbian protagonist, and it was based on a story by Alison Bechtel, for whom the Bechtel test of talking female movie characters is named. Fun fact, Fun Home. The newspaper had to be replaced every other day, because if you start folding a newspaper over and over, the audience is going to see that that is, that's an old newspaper. Mm -hmm. And if anything's eaten uh, that's a perishable. If there's a glass that breaks or anything like that, because you have to create the illusion. There is a, a TikTok that I did mm-hmm. of us doing Intelligent Homosexuals Guide to the Scriptures mm-hmm. by Tony Kushner. And we had to destroy a wall every night. Oh my God. And we How? Had, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. It was a perishable wall. We had 18 walls in prep because we lost five in a weekend because Friday night show, two on Saturday and two on Sunday. That was that was pretty crazy. And what, how, how long do you get to work on things? When you are going through a, a script and you're going through initial meetings and you're saying, well, you're going to need a glass here, you're going to need a lipstick here. Like, how do you track those? Do you have a moleskin? Do you have an Excel <laughs> sheet? Like, how do you remember? I, I always keep a moleskin on me, and uh-huh. and I, ask me to tell you that story because it's it's uh, it, it's part of my teaching. But uh, I want to hear. Oh yeah, it's it, okay. I'll, I'll jump on it. I'll, I'll jump on okay. it, and then I'll get back to that. When okay. we were doing Into the Woods, Into the Woods, by the by, a Sondheim musical based on a bunch of brothers' grim fairy tales, and Jay was propping it before it went into production on the film starring someone named Meryl Streep. No big deal. So they were working out the kinks with a live audience, and one of my interns was under the stage at the coffee station with Steve Sondheim. And, uh, you know, he talked for a second or two, and he came up to me, and I was like, how cool is that? And he's like, what? I was like, you, do you know who you were just talking to? And he was like, no, no, I think he's on the board or something. I oh was like, God. Kevin, that was Stephen Sondheim. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
And he just like, his head just hung. And from that point on, I had all of my interns and all of my students carry around a moleskin notebook. And if they ever hear a name or they ever hear of a theater or a writer or anybody Uh like that, they have to create a baseball card for that person, like print out a picture (laughs) so that they never miss that opportunity again. I mean, we know who the big stars are, but if you don't know the players in the field, you're lost and yeah and you'll never get that opportunity again how many of you are buying moleskin notebooks today all of you i'm just checking oh my god but i'll read a script and uh create an excel sheet and uh mark off all the regular props in yellow all the perishables in red and all situational things in blue so let's say if somebody says ali is um uh, really ritzy, you know, it's part of the, uh, as part of the script, uh-huh. I'll understand like how I have to dress your apartment. If it's, if it's a Wednesday versus a Thursday, if it's a uh, uh, spring versus winter, how many coats you'll have, mm-hmm. what kind of dressing you'll have around the apartment, you know, so you have to know all of those things as, as the three different circles of consciousness. If the note says, Ali is surrounded by clean, unfolded laundry and yesterday's coffee mugs, that's even more props to acquire. It's potentially more expensive than being ritzy. Who knew? Now, where does he get all of his stuff? Does he start from scratch? Is there a Narnia wardrobe closet just filled with nouns? A lot of theaters have their own prop room. And the public has two different prop rooms. One is for hand props and the other one's for bigger furniture. Um... In the building, in the building. And so you have a basic set of things that you can hold on to. But I created something called the Prop Summit. After my first year of doing props, I, I, I invited all the prop masters over as a thank you. And we realized this is something that we didn't know each other. You know, so we started a yearly thing. And then all the different prop sh- uh, shops, like the Juilliard shop, the NYU shop, all of us started loaning stuff to each other. So we tripled our storage and yeah. And, and it was, and it brought the price down. So we were able to contact each other through emails and be like, Hey, you did this. Do you have this? Because no one wants to reinvent the wheel. And there's also this other organization called spam, which is society of props, artisans, and masters. And it's all around the United States. And when we throw out questions to each other about, hey, who's, who's got, who has been shot in the head before? It's fake. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so you have to find out. That, and once you find out those different tricks and techniques, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. How much of what you do is collecting, cataloging, styling versus fabricating and aging? A lot of it is dependent upon the script. If it's a new play, we'll usually be able to get get away with getting stuff around thrift stores or heading up Craigslist. There's something called KRRB, which is curb. Or if like you have to make something totally new and then just distress it, you know, so you've made something new and that always kind of breaks my heart that we have to beat it down and like strip it to make it authentic. Because the, the greatest thing about the greatest prop masters you will never see. You will never see their hand. You will never see where they've been. And that is our goal because we want to be seamless. You just want to be so atmospheric that people feel like they're absolutely in that moment and in that time where they're not noticing things around them. Absolutely. And and you put in things from eras and things that are iconic. So they are emotionally drawn in before the audience, uh, before the actors even hit the stage. 
a, mm-hmm. a piece of duct tape versus a piece of lace on the back of a chair or the side of a chair says volumes about the person that occupies that chair. Does that mean that there's something maybe like from Goodwill in Staten Island that made it on stage to Hamilton? Someone doesn't realize like their, <laughs> their candles, their brass candlestick holder made it onto mm-hmm. like Tony award winning play. Yes. What are some things that you've had to source? Well, there's this great place in New York, and I, I swear to God, every community needs this. Every big community needs this. It's called uh, Materials for the Arts, and it was run by Harriet Taub for the longest time. This magical place was started by sanitation workers, New York sanitation folks. Sanitation. Just saving the arts. And they saw so much stuff from the city being thrown away that they said, we have to establish where kids or nonprofits can go and pick up this material. And Mm -hmm. it's uh, buttons from the garment district, fabrics from the garment district, uh, books that people were throwing out, uh, chairs, offices that would close, and they would just throw things out. Mm -hmm. So they established that. And then anyone who was a nonprofit or if you were a school or if you're an arts organization could go to that. And we use that a lot. That's Uh, great. And the thing is, as soon as we get done with that, we put it right back into materials for the arts. And mm-hmm. there, uh, what's her name? Annie, Annie Hathaway. That's Anne Hathaway to those of us who have not gotten to work with her. And the one person show was grounded at the public theater. And according to some still images that I creeped on the internet of the 2015 run, she appears on stage in a jumpsuit under stark lighting. She did a show and the sand in her show because she played an Israeli Air Force pilot. Mm-hmm. All of that sand we sent to Materials for the Art as a note saying, hey, we have this. And it went into a park in Brooklyn. Oh, that's so, great. So all these kids are running around in uh, <laughs> sand that uh, Annie Hathaway did a show in. Oh, my God. I love that. Uh, and what about you know your work in New York on stage versus when you're working on set? How is that different for a proptologist? Uh, I've done pilots and music videos and here's the best way i can uh explain the experience your first Mm -hmm. day on set is the most exciting day of your life Mm -hmm. the rest of them are the most boring things you will ever have (laughs) because you have it's six hours of sitting and 30 minutes uh of panic pure Mm -hmm. panic hurry up and wait and you have to be like ready for anything. If a, if a, uh, like if somebody's like, oh, I want to hold a baby at this point, you got to have a mm-hmm. truck that has like a bunch of different props on it. Yeah. You know, so it's really you have to plan so much, and you have to have enough people around so no one's waiting on you because you don't want money hanging hanging. You, you be the department that's hanging everybody up. Yeah. Do the do the props have to differ in terms of how authentic they look if something is seen from, you know, 100 meters away versus if there's going to be a close-up on it? Honestly, it doesn't matter to me. And it doesn't matter yeah. to a lot of the people that I work with because we, we feel that amount of detail is absolutely important because the actor sees it. Mm. They're out oh, there. wow. No, okay. no, they're out there yeah, naked. That's smart. And we have to support them as much as possible. The great uh, – yeah, it's, it's so – so you have to do that amount of detail. Uh, J.O. Saunders, the, the the great Shakespearean actor, I gave him a pipe one time and he's like, oh, this is nice. And I said, yeah, I noticed that your character is left-handed. 
So that's why it's burned on this side, because when oh you would God. light it, you would turn it this way and use your dominant hand instead of everybody else doing it that way. And he was just like, why did you think about that? And I was like, I, you, I have to, I have to, because this is this, I have to support you. That makes me want to cry. That's so beautiful. Like that just gave me full body goosebumps. That's amazing. Oh, what yeah. a detail. You have to love what you do in order to do to go into that kind of detail for the work. Yeah. I imagine. Oh yeah, absolutely. The stuff that I do even for myself is is to keep my skills up, but also to keep my eye sharp. What does your workshop look like? Are very tidy? Or are we talking ab like absolute chaos? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find my <laughs> I couldn't find my headset. Say no more. You, you. <laughs> oh, your your engineer is gonna be like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the, my desk is good, but I recently got into uh, the folk art of the Maori and. Uh, the sepic people of Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. And so my entire room looks like a Victorian gentleman's club. And I use my, a section of my bedroom because you have no mm -hmm. space as my office, you know, and as my workplace. Yeah. You're based in New York. I'm uh, New York city. Yeah. Where are you from originally? Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. I am a little farm boy. Uh, well, not little. I was, I've always been a big corn fed guy. <laughs> I was the only eighth grader with a, a full beard. <laughs> but yeah, Missouri, small town. It was 3,000 people. And there was 61 people in my graduating class. Oh. And I think I got into theater. And I think I got into the arts to play up the intellectual side. Because being queer in Missouri in the 70s and 80s was very dangerous. Yeah. So... I used that persona to hide who I was and protect who I was. Mm -hmm. And theater, I mean, come on. <laughs> what a better place to hide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no one suspects a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, when you got to New York, what was that like? I mean, did you just go down the steps of a Greyhound with a, a piece of wheat in your right? mouth and a battered suitcase? What was that like? <laughs> the, the, oh, yeah. Uh, and I had my, yeah, I carried a knife with me my first time I went in New York and I walked the entire, I talked, I walked from, God, I think it was like 49th street all the way down to the village because I was afraid to take the subway. He got used to it. Obviously the city also changed over the years and he is perfectly at home, but with COVID, you may have noticed that life theater was a little bit impacted. So he left his trade to teach at Pace University, which has campuses in New York and Westchester and online, which is great because the only name better than Jay Duckworth is Professor Duckworth. Let's be honest. I teach props and theater history for design and another uh, one, which is called creative collaborative. Oh, and, my gosh. Uh, and, That's and so cool. And the other thing is I've had such an advantage working with some of the best people in the entire world that if I did not start teaching, it would be a moral failing of mine. If, <laughs> no, seriously. My father always said, the price you pay for living in a good community is community service. And you have to give back. And the last thing that theater needs is a 50-year-old white man running a theater department, you know, mm. like a props department, you know, so it's, it's other people's time. Okay. I'm going to make us go 
to listener questions because we have one billion of them <laughs> and they're so good. It's so like, crazy. Like so many, it's uh, nuts. And so can I lightning round you and we'll just like try and answer as many as we can. Do you have a bell or anything that you can shut me <laughs> no. up? It's like time. <laughs> No. <laughs> I love him and I never want to stop talking to him. Um, but we do have to take a quick break to chat about sponsors of the show who help us donate to a cause of theologist choosing. And this week, Professor Duckworth would like it to go to the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center, Incorporated, and IWRC. It's a native-led nonprofit organization dedicated to ending violence against Native women and children. And the NIWRC provides national leadership in ending gender-based violence in tribal communities by lifting up the collective voices of grassroots advocates and offering culturally grounded resources technical assistance and training. So a donation was made to www.niwrc.org in Jay's honor. So thanks to Jay and these sponsors. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. So is my brain. Here's a thought experiment. Think of all the time that you spend just scrolling on things or not doing the things you want to do. I know time is the most valuable thing that you have. Boy, let me tell you, I had to learn this over time. You know what helps? Therapy. Therapy can help you figure out what matters most to you and how to prioritize it so that you like your life more. And where I learned that was better help because yes, I have been a client. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I know how hard it is to get started. BetterHelp makes it very easy. It's entirely online. It's convenient. It's flexible. You take a quick questionnaire. They match you with a therapist. Instead of just Googling and trying to find someone with an opening, BetterHelp makes it very accessible. And I like that. It's also more affordable than traditional therapy. And you can chat. You can text. You can do video calls. You can do phone calls. For some reason, you are not vibing with your therapist. You can switch at any time. No extra cost. No drama. So let me tell you. Time is precious. Figure out where you want to spend yours. And you can learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ologies today to get 10% off your first month. So that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ologies. It's about time. Okay, so a little fun fact about how we make the show. So right before it gets published, I do like the third pass on the edit in case I want to tweak anything before it goes out. And I always do laundry during that time because I need to listen to the show as if I were a listener who's doing something else while you enjoy facts about capybara butts. And I would like to thank EarthBreeze for making that whole situation more pleasant. So EarthBreeze has these eco sheets that we use that I love. They're not a liquid or a powder. They're not a capsule. They look like a dryer sheet, but it's this ultra concentrated laundry detergent. So I don't have to spill a bunch of soap all over my hands and pants, which happens every time I have that giant heavy laundry jug. There's no measuring. There's no mess. There's no wasteful plastic jug, which makes me feel good about myself. And we all need that. It works on everyday stains and odors. And it's just one more step to making laundry day easier. So go wash your clothes, but make it easier with EarthBreeze. And right now, Ologies listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. So go to earthbreeze.com ologies. That's earthbreeze.com ologies for 40% off your subscription. I use it while I edit this. Okay, here's how I like my clothes. I like them classic. I like them well-made. I like them comfortable and I like them ethical, which is why I flipped when I first heard about Quince. So Quince partners directly with these top factories. So they cut out the cost of the middleman and then they pass the savings on to obviously you. They have these 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters that start at 50 bucks. They have organic cotton sweaters. They have washable silk tops. They even have 14 karat jewelry in case you are looking for a present 
maybe for yourself. So Quince items are priced like 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. And I like that their styles are well-made, well-cut, but also classic. I did not own a cashmere sweater before Quince. That was the kind of thing that I would splurge for for other people, but not myself. But I was like, you know what, Quince? I think I shall. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash ologies for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash ologies. You look amazing. How you doing on that D, that vitamin D? Could be better. I feel you. Some of us are coming out of a winter. I don't know how much outside time you get. I don't know how your vitamin D is dietarily, but I know a lot of people, including myself, especially women over 18, 97% of us not getting enough vitamin D from our diet. Rituals like, how about I help you? They're a clinically backed multivitamin. So skeptics, here's a multivitamin that's like, yeah, we use science to formulate this. I think you're going to like it. Ritual multivitamins are vegan. They're gluten and major allergen free. I also like that Ritual is a female founded B Corp. So they're doing good for the health of people and the planet. Ritual multivitamins are also gentle on an empty stomach. I like that when I open mine, they have kind of a minty essence. I've got Ritual vitamins in my belly right now, to be honest. I take them every day. They have kind of a lava lamp look with oil and beads inside. I also have their melatonin caps at night when I need to go bye-bye Z's. So no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. And get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash ologies. So start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. So that's ritual.com slash ologies for 20% off. Okay, your proctology questions. You wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash ologies supplied me with a torrent of great questions, which we will now aim at his beautiful face. Okay, Jessica Jansen wants to know, what makes a set truly... True. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We actually said that at the exact same time. What makes a set truly Uh, magical? Uh, the harmonics, uh, harmonics yeah. in a set make it uh, magical, and that's when you work in a play that you have sets and lights and costume all congruous and working together to create an um, uh, uh, just an emotional environment. One of the greatest set designers out there that I love is David Rockwell. This guy, David Rockwell, designed a bunch of Nobu restaurants and the Dolby Theater where the Oscars are held, plus did the sets for the theatrical runs of Rocky Horror Picture Show and Legally Blonde and Hairspray and Kinky Boots. He won a Tony in 2016 for Best Scenic Design for a musical called She Loves Me and has been nominated for like six other Tonys. And he might just, you know, be eating a croissant, walking right past you, this kind of guy. And he's a architect. And he does theater for fun, but his stuff is sublime, you know, and Ricardo Hernandez, who is the head of design after Ming Cho Lee stepped down at Yale, but his parents were opera people. And so his stuff is clean line and very Japanese. And it's just, the thing is, when you go out there, you have to strip away everything that is not for the story and you have to distill your style down so that people see that thumbprint. And once they see that thumbprint, that, that's how you get your voice in theater. David Corns mm-hmm. is the same thing. Danielle wow. Worley is a queen of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the harmony in which you interact with everyone from the audience to the stage end. 
So Ming Cho Lee, Ricardo Hernandez, whose parents used to be at opera, David Corns, Danielle Worley. I really love that Jay is just given props to so many people. And links to all these folks will be up on my website. Um, but patron Rainbow Warrior, I hope that answers your questions of who some of his heroes are. And that's all smiles and sunshine. But let's talk about annoying shit. Some patrons, including Anna G, Rafaela Litvin, Kyle Pollock, Samantha Mitz, Ellen Skelton, Alexandria Gartman, first-time question askers Little B, and Catherine Trinkline, and... Um, Stephanie and 1,000 other people wanted to know, what is the worst prop that you've ever had to make or put together? <laughs> is there one that's just on your shit list so hard? I will always rem- remember in a summer stock that I had to make a cowhide trunk uh-huh. and it was out of cowhide and it, it, we had no air conditioning. I had to do it outside. I was sweating like crazy. The director loved it. He's like, can you make it look like pony? And I was like, I imagine if I take a trimmer to it, I could. So mm-hmm. I was trimming this like with a, with a hair trimmer outside and i was sweating and the wind was pushing this cow hair all over my body and it was sticking to me and it was the the most gross thing ever and i was just like i can't believe this is what i want to do for a living i could just picture it like if you had like a date roll in coconut Yes, a hundred percent. That was oh, that's like, what I look like. Oh God. <laughs> Just like a human lint roller in sweat and bovine stubble. And yet he remained just so in love with the field. So now this next question was a super popular one. It was asked by just a disco full of patrons, including Ariel Van Zandt, Brooke Ratliff, Dave Schuster, first time question asker, Brendan Wood Taylor, Dan Hayes, Manuela Quintero, Sylvia T, Ira Gray, Daniel Spence, Kara Kofel, Barry Price, RJ Doidge, Wendy Fick, Charlotte Felkegaard, 1000th Happy Haunt, Bridget Daly, and... Sammy Baker wants to know, where does everything go afterward? Like movies that build these super intricate, huge sets or plays that go on. What happens? Do they get demolished? Do actors steal them? Do they go into a landfill? Let's go to your favorite uh, film, Waterworld, where they just blew it up and (laughs) tried to sink it. And it didn't go under. So, really? Oh, you don't know? That was the huge scandal. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, they tried they, to sink they, it? They blew it up and tried to sink it, and it didn't go under. So it was stuck there, and they had environmental concerns, so it cost them more to take this thing out. Oh, God. A little foreshadowing to an upcoming maritime archaeology episode about shipwrecks. Hmm? A lot of stuff goes to prop houses. If you have a prop house, you usually rent a lot of stuff that you need specialty. So it'll go right back to that prop house, especially the couches, the furniture, the dressing, all that stuff usually goes back. The sets usually get trashed and that's all for film. Broadway, uh, they will throw it out. It'll either go in a container and go either to New Jersey or Connecticut for a tour, or if it's at the end, it'll all get thrown out in dumpsters. No. Yes, props, everything. So that's why a lot of actors take some things that they that they've worked with. Do they ever auction it off at all? We did with two guns from Hamilton 
for the mm-hmm. Equity Fights AIDS Broadway Bears fundraiser where we took some props and uh, it was the two guns and I asked Lynn to sign them and they went for something like $3,000, you know. Oh, so. I, I bet. Yeah. Oh, so, my God. I looked this up and yes, they did go for several grand. And if you missed out, but you have too much money in your possession, just a heads up that two actual guns belonging to Alexander Hamilton go up for auction on May 14th and are expected to fetch between one and $4 million. But if that's too rich and potentially haunted for your blood? And then there's also the Broadway flea market where a lot of props and costume pieces are sold to people who come out to the flea. And I recommend that once we get out of COVID, just to go and be a part of that, because you can meet all the backstage people, you can meet the stars, you can meet the talent, and you can also meet the people who make this, you, who pr- bring this stuff together, like Buse Bickley, who's an incredible prop person, Faye Arnon Trusco, who's great. Um, you know, yeah, you, you get to meet all kinds of wonderful people. Links to these other legends will be on my website. Mm. Uh, Jessica Roth wants to know, kind of on that note, what's the weirdest prop you've had go missing? Have you, do you ever have things that get stolen and you're like, ah, I need this Ming vase? <laughs> well, uh, we've had, okay, I, I'm sorry to harp on Hamilton, but this is the greatest story. No, I love it. Okay. During Burn, there is the lantern. I hope that you burn. And it, there, inside of that lantern is two sets of matches that are two matches that are taped together. It's so that when it's struck, the one strikes the other one and it's guaranteed to light. You can Mm -hmm. never, you never, never just send out one match. And then you take, and we took a a striker pad and put it on there as well. So if that goes out on stage, they can go ahead and light it again. Well, Philippa Sue, who originated the role. Elizabeth Seiler. It's a pleasure to meet you. It was her birthday. And somebody came backstage and grabbed the lighter that lights the candle and took it downstairs for afterwards for her birthday to light the candles on her birthday cake. And poor Will Blacksmith was just like, oh, my God, where is the lighter? Yeah. And Philippa was like, let's just use the matches on side. And he was like, no, 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 we can't. We have to use these. It was there at the beginning when he did his uh, pre-check. It was just mm-hmm. somebody who went by and was like, oh, yeah, I'll need this later. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. Did it work out in time? Oh, totally. Totally. Okay, Will, good. Uh, Will kept, I think he keeps a lighter on him to burn the ends of ropes. He's an incredible professional. So, yeah. Oh, God. That makes me nervous just thinking about, oh, <laughs> thinking yeah. about the person he, who didn't realize that they almost ruined it. Oh, my God. Yeah. On Broadway. That was a Broadway. You know, it's like, it's like people paid, you know, thousands of dollars and it's going to yeah. be like... um okay julie mcdonald had a great one great question at what point did movies and theaters switch from using real person bones to fake bones maybe they didn't we all know the story of pirates of the caribbean right after all well not only pirates of the caribbean but there was also what's the one uh poltergeist used real bones no faux real they used real bones in the the scene with the pool where the, all the skeletons <gasps> were coming up. Where did they get all those bones? I have I, I honestly have no idea. 
I looked it up and they got them from Carolina Biological Supply, which was an anatomy supplier for medical schools. Nowadays, folks use plastic ones, although it's completely legal to buy a human skeleton. And there's one at theboneroom.com. It'll run you about $6,000. That's a big no thanks from me. I'm good without one. Thank you. But I know that was like the last big thing. There is someone who donated their skull to the Royal Shakespeare Company to use as Hamlet. And I don't know if he was a former actor or something like that, but I've always loved that story. Yeah, that's pretty dope. This skull in question belongs to Andrei Tchaikovsky, a Polish composer, not to be confused with the Russian composer Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky was like, please, please use my skull on stage. It's going to be rad. It's going to be so cool. I'm so into it. I'm going to be dead, but I'm going to love it. And it has been rad. A little spooky, but certainly brings a vibe to the show. Maggie Kinney wrote in and said, uh, I have a friend named Zach who wants to donate their body, not to science, but to a movie set when they died so that it could be used during the movie for something really cool, like being blown up. Is that even possible? Can you even legally use a dead body as a movie prop? And Renee Fuentes says, this is the weirdest question I have read in a long time, and I'm pretty sure Allie would be able to find the answer. I don't know about that. Can you donate your actual corpse I don't know if that's legal. Well, you have to deal with your state laws. And don't ask me how I know this, but (laughs) you have to deal with your own state laws. And if they have uh, composting for a body, because some have really strict laws about how you get buried. Mm -hmm. And some people go with natural barrows where they put themselves in wicker baskets. And now there's the ones where you can be part of a tree yeah. So it totally depends on the laws of each state and how comfortable the theater is with you donating it. You could get a lot of trouble for desecrating a corpse. Yeah. So definitely get something. In I right. hear. I hear. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> uh, that American Claire says, I love learning about prop food things like the chip bags that don't make noise. Uh, is there anything food related that you've had to hack? Oh, that's Scott drop and roll. Uh, he, he was just did a TikTok on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott drop and roll. He's a prop movie guy. It's difficult to record dialogue over loud chip bags. The prop chip bag is made out of vinyl. I mean, the vinyl bag still makes a little bit of noise, but compared to regular chips, the crinkle when you wrinkle doesn't stinkle. And he's just incredible. If you, anybody who's listening to this, please go follow him. There is, and it's my favorite story, and it's John Lithgow wanted a steak for when he was playing King Lear. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to figure out maybe we'd do tofu or maybe we could do something like that or something that wouldn't because it had to be outside. It was the second park show. Your average was 90 degree temperatures during the day. And you had to have that waiting out for, you know, for, to go on stage. Polina, my assistant on the show, brought in a watermelon and we started cutting it up. And I noticed that the water on the plate reminded me of blood. And I said, could you hand me that uh, icing tint? And she gave me a caramel icing tint and I thinned it out with some water And I made a steak out of it. And (laughs) we went up to the rehearsal the next day at at lunchtime and showed him the steak. I had the greatest compliment I've ever had in my entire life because John Lithgow saw it. He was just like, oh, my God, I I hope my performance is as good as this steak. (laughs) And I got a call from my brother 
uh, saying, do you know that John Lithgow is on the chew and he just dropped your name, like full first and last name? A couple of years ago, I did King Lear in, in the park. Yeah, sure. And uh, there was a scene where King Lear eats heartily with his knights and I wanted a big piece of meat. This was medieval England. Uh, so I asked the prop master, this brilliant prop guy named Jay Duckworth, get me meat that I can actually eat on stage. And he invented... S stage meat made out of watermelon with food coloring. No! Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Such a gracious human being. Such oh, that's wonderful. So, I yeah. mean, is, is that something that's used now kind of regularly to yes. imitate steak? No! Yes. When he did Beatrix at dinner, he had them. He had the crew call me because they were making steaks. And he was like, no, no, no. You need to call Jay Duckworth at the public theater and find out what he did. Oh, my God. And so one of the chef's joke is like, that's a wonderful way to freak out vegetarians. Yes. Actually, that brings me to one question that I have to find now. Um, El McCall asks, have you ever done any great April Fool's jokes using props? Dying to know. <laughs> never on stage. Never mm -hmm. on stage because, like, like I said, there, it's a sacred space. Period. Oh, yeah, yeah. But off stage? There may have been toothpaste inside Oreos that uh. were left out on a table. <clears throat> so maybe. And that's all I can say <laughs> legally. <laughs> hey, it's not not edible. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Just odd. They're mint. Yeah, very, very yeah. minty. They're oh, York yeah. peppermint patty <laughs> Um Scala Borealis wants to know what a great name. A great name, right? I'm not sure if you'll know, and I have no idea what this is about, but where is Russell Crowe's jackstrap, and how did they lose it? Is this about a jockstrap? Did not get lost. It is actually in... It, his jockstrap was bought by um, John Oliver, and it went to the last blockbuster that's still open in Alaska. It was up for an auction. So is this weird that I know yes. that is so yes. long. I'm so glad you know that because I have no, I wasn't sure if a jackstrap was a typo or if that was something that had no, nothing was, to do with jockstrap. No, it was the jockstrap and he sold it and uh, John Oliver bought it and donated it to the last blockbuster up in Alaska. This jockstrap in question was worn in the 2005 film Cinderella Man. It has its own Wikipedia page. And out of pure celestial cruelty, there are no pictures of it on its own Wikipedia page. Somebody fix that. But elsewhere, photos show Russell Crowe's jockstrap is leathery and weathered, kind of like Antiques Roadshow after dark. And yeah, John Oliver bought it for seven Gs. And then Russell Crowe donated that amount to the Australian Zoo to fund the John Oliver Koala Chlamydia Award. But all of this merriment just was not enough to keep the lights on at the Alaska Blockbuster. So everything, all the mementos and everything were shipped to the real last Blockbuster, which is in Bend, Oregon. But somehow the jockstrap went missing. So who knows? Who knows? Only the jockstrap. Oh, my God. Oh, we have so many good questions. Okay, Ali Rosser asked, do you have a selection of easy break bottles in your house for smashing over the heads of your guests? And are they really made out of spun sugar like in our dreams? They used to be. They're now made out of a polymer or they're made out of a resin that's very thin. And we have a lot at our theater from different mm -hmm. shows that have closed and uh, like Sting's Last Ship 
closed. Mm-hmm. And we, because of the network that we set up through the prop, uh, prop summit, we were able to get them. And our promise to the community was that we would hold on to them if shows off Broadway and off off Broadway needed them, we would donate to them. So they didn't have to buy them because they're very, very expensive. I bet. Yeah. I looked it up on a prop supply site and a single breakaway beer bottle is $18 and it does not come with any beer. And also just any trick that you do, you have to have a fight choreographer because even with that, you have to hit them in a special way. It's either a a pull through or a bounce back and you can't be near the eyes. So you have to have all of this stuff. And so, so a fight choreographer with a prop person we work very much hand in hand and now their fight people have also taken on roles which is just incredible called intimacy coaches because some people are scumbags i'm just going to say it and there are people who are not comfortable doing things so now people are bringing in intimacy coaches so those scumbag directors and scumbag actors don't take advantage of other people oh that's great that that started and it's horrific to think how many times it was needed you know yeah yeah on the topic of danger um katie you wants to know how if you've ever worked with a dangerous prop that required kind of special handling does that happen (laughs) (laughs) yes and i made it uh it was a 13 foot guillotine that actually worked it was a working guillotine uh it was for a show called Dedications of the Stuff of Dreams. It was Terrence McNally and Nathan Lane. And it was it was taking place in an old theater, like this old, old theater that they wanted to revamp, you know. And Terrence McNally told me at the first meeting, he was like, if that thing stops, if that thing binds up, our show's dead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, hey, that's great. I'm, I'm, I think it's great that you have me for this project done because I will guarantee that it won't happen. And the production manager turns to me afterwards. He's like, that's really great. He's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I have no idea. Oh, no. But it was when we made it, we, I, I calculated the math wrong for the weight of the blade. And the blade, the first time we ran it, the blade broke apart the bottom of the machine and stuck into the floor. Oh, God. And it wasn't even sharp. What is the blade made out of? It was made out of metal. Oh, jeez. We trained everybody. And every night it was uh, padlocked up. That's very smart because you know someone's like, can it can it chop a cantaloupe? And you're like, don't <laughs> don't do that, please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't have a couple coronas and see what it can chop up. Yeah. Bad idea. Um, uh, so many good questions. Okay, I really loved this question, Jason. Krabat. Alexander. Okay. Jason Alexander. You may know him <laughs> from the producer. Um, Jason Krabach asks. Who handles the writing of handwritten notes or letters? Does the actor actually write it? Does the prop master, does somebody else? And especially in Hamilton, where are those letters coming from? Such an incredible question. All of them are handled by props people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're the what we did for Hamilton, there was a thing mm-hmm. called uh, Write Right, W-R-I-G-H-T, R-I-G-H-T. Mm-hmm. And we took Hamilton... Washington, or we took all of their letters, all of their script, and you can write letters in their hand. Wow. So we not only had documents that we reprinted from, like we had Rochambeau's Map of New Jersey. 
Rochambeau, side note, was a French-born marshal whose forces helped defeat the British at Yorktown, whose full name was a real French mouthful of cheese, Jean-Baptiste Donetien de Vimeur comme de Rochambeau, which is longer than saying rock, paper, scissors, but back to paper, which rocks. Yeah, so you know how nuts I am. So everything uh-huh. is totally exact. And even the newspaper that announces Burr is running for the seat is mm-hmm. New York. This really talented young man made it, who was our intern. But it was all New York news from that uh, month because we wow. couldn't find the exact newspaper. Mm-hmm. But it was just nuts. You can go pretty far in it. And when mm-hmm. we did, and when we did Lear, there wasn't a written language in, in England at the time, but there's tons of notes in King Lear. So we had to use Irish Odom language, which is tree language. And it was an early scratch. It was horizontal and vertical lines. And mm-hmm. I did it on pieces of bark that we just sewed together. What? So it was wow. an, it was an idea of the earliest Chinese books meshed with Irish language in order to create something because that's a lot about, about pareidolia. It's you know our our mm-hmm. minds fill in those blanks. Yeah. So as long as we give something that is legitimate that would work in that world, then you're fine. And what kind of paper are you using to simulate paper from you know a few centuries ago? Some of it is printer paper. <laughs> Just printer paper. Yeah, some of it was real handmade paper, but it just wouldn't hold up. So we had to augment some of the paper. Here's what I picture. Jay Duckworth. I'm here. Making making Hamilton. Just doing these letters, right? Prints it up in the right hand and then puts it in a in a pie tin that's filled with coffee and then burns the edges like a treasure map. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure I'm wrong about some of that stuff. You're absolutely right. No. We, uh, there is jokes. We Eric Hart, who is the the premier scholar on props, he's written three books. He's just getting his last book out right now. Eric Hart's book was just released this month, and it's called Prop Building for Beginners, 20 Props for Stage and Screen. And I will link it on my website. We joke about that, you know, that, you know, hey, if you burn the edges, it makes it look real. Yeah. Or if you put it in coffee, it makes it look yeah. more, more real. <laughs> That's a total joke. So we never really do that because it's just, you always want to be an archetype. You never want to be a stereotype. Yeah. So do you have a certain, like an aging serum that is a mix of a couple different types of paint? See, that's great because no, because (laughs) no, listen, listen. And it's the same thing like uh, that, that a lot of people have misconceptions about in that age those props would not look like that. They would be uh-huh. new, fresh paper. <sighs> so our, our our preconceived notion of how old they look is because we see them at that point. But we have to realize that these are of that time. Ah. Yeah. Ha-ha. Yeah. See, so it's like when you're organizing your bookshelf and you're like, hmm, only the old books were printed on yellowed paper. And you're like, That's just <laughs> yellowed paper. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I went to the, I spoke at the Museum of the American Revolution in Philadelphia and they gave me a, a tour of everything and the backstage stuff. In museums, backstage is also known as the collections. Backstage, in theater. I mean, it's, it's, but they gave me a tour and I, they, the guy who gave me the tour was so annoyed, I think, because I was like, oh my God, is this real? And he's like, yeah, that's, that's real. 
I was like, are these real or is this? Because I'm so used to making fake stuff. He's like, and he, at one point he was just like, you know, this is a museum. He's like, these are the actual things. And I was just like, I can't believe that. It was nuts. Oh, that's was amazing. So I feel like that's like you going back in time, meeting the queen and just being like, that cosplay is amazing. <laughs> no that's one would have real. ever had those beads. Seriously. Oh, God. Um, Annie Goodenough, which I hope is a real last name, but if oh, not, yeah. it's a great last name. She Annie should Goodenough. Be in, uh, uh, the Crucible. I know, right? The Crucible, a 1959 Arthur Miller play about the Salem witch trials. And one character is named Sarah Good, in case you're into historical witch fiction. Amy Goodenough, whose name is awesome and who asked. One of my weird TV show pet peeves is when actors are carrying coffee cups oh. and they look empty. Is there an important reason why on stage or on screen? Because you can tell. Oh, my God. <laughs> Scott Prop and Roll invented a system that you can pour into the coffee cups because it has become such... It, 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 that, that's also a joke in our community. It's like, you got to put something in there. Mm -hmm. you yeah. know yeah it's it's annoying and it's one of those things again where you can't have coffee in it because it'll stain the costumes should any spill mm. uh and there's so much equipment around you can't really have water in it but he did something i think it was a resin or something like that so it had weight mm -hmm. um but that is such a hot topic right now because and that actually so legitimizes what we do as prop people that if you look at the Game of Thrones where they had that coffee cup out, how yeah. how many people saw that, it really made me feel great about the detail that I do because people are that detail-oriented. This next one was asked by Rob Hale, Naomi Atkins, Stephen Lickman, Sylvia T, and Becky the Sassy Seagrass Scientist, who wrote in to Jay Duckworth, do you love exquisite details and tiny elements of props and scenery that maybe only you and the actors get to see? Such a special part of my college theater magic techie experience. And, you know, a few people had questions about what you thought about props having to become more detailed or realistic when it comes to, say, TV or film and and high def and 4K versus the theater experience, which is really about being kind of present and in the moment and believing the actor is believing that they're in it. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I, I think that uh, we have all props people have raised their art to a design phase uh, where HDTV and or high definition film and stage is just the same. Mm -hmm. We all want to get the most detail, the best that we can out there because it is our name and reputation. And like, again, we don't want to be noticed. We will only let you see what we want you to see. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very important that, that we make sure that the address of the actor of the actor's character is on the checks that they write in the play. Mm. That's the detail that we want. Right. We were talking about coffee cups that were empty. And this made me, I have to ask Cassie Lumsden's question, just how creepy do you think prop babies are? Oh, are <laughs> God, the worst, the worst. And uh, we have to get, a lot of times we have to get those uh, babies that people buy that are like real looking babies, like latex 
and foam babies that really look like babies and they're mm-hmm. wacky. And now we have to do a speaker inside of them so that they have the sound. And mm-hmm. sometimes we use remote car parts <gasps> to make them move. Nice. Because if you're holding something that is totally, there is no baby in the world unless you swaddle that thing. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not going to wriggle or something like that. Yeah. I was wondering that. I don't know. It was one of those shower thoughts where uh, I remember like a month ago, I was thinking, why don't they make remote control babies that wiggle around. I forgot what I was watching, but I was watching something where a baby was distractingly small. It essentially was wrapped up like a moth cocoon. Like there was nothing yeah. alive. Oh, in there, yeah. you know? no, 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 no. <laughs> like there's that famous Bradley Cooper scene, which I still uh, feel wor- so yeah. bad for whoever had to just, <clears throat> well, you know. again, I think that's one of those situations where it was like, I want the baby in my arms. We don't have we don't have a baby. You get a baby, and like within yeah. thirty minutes, you you send either send somebody or a store, or you pull the baby that you have out of your storage and stock, mm-hmm. and just be like, "This is the one that I never want to use." Just please Google Bradley Cooper fake baby. It was an American Sniper. It hurts. It hurts me so much. Yeah. Oh, I know. I I just cr- I cringed a thousand cringes saying yeah. that. But um, I have a, two more questions from. Couple more questions from listeners. Ian Garrett, um, I think you'll like this question. Ian Garrett wants to know what's it like being a freaking national treasure? Duckworth is the best. No joke. I'm having a bit of a moment over here. (laughs) Are you? Who is this? This is Ian Garrett. And then um, another question we have from David Phelps. Oh my goodness, Jay Duckworth is a bit of a legend. And David writes in. Uh, He recently took a pretty outspoken, though fair, stand against exploitative but nearly ubiquitous internships in theater. Uh, Has he received a lot of pushback from it? And do you think that there's actual change coming on that front? And David says, I'm a live theater worker right now and have considered making the jump to movies and TV. Do you have any recommendations on how to do that? But would love to hear how just your stance on on internships and being paid or unpaid. I... My eyes are honestly welling up because oh. I no, I really, you do this. And like I said, you, uh, the one thing that I keep on harping on is trying to be invisible, try to be unseen. And for, oh, I'm going to cry. And to be, and to have people like recognize your work is especially, you know, especially in a, a, a job that you are the last one invited to the party is, <laughs> It's pretty nice. Oh. Okay. I'm so sorry. I am <laughs> I so it. sorry. I love um, it. People love you and your oh work. Oh, God. Is okay. that wonderful to know that you that you touch people that way just by doing the thing that you love to do the most? Yeah, it's it's pretty oh. crazy. It's 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 I don't I'm I'm one of the luckiest people I know to be totally honest with you. Uh, yeah, I did get a lot of flack. And I did get a lot of hate and I did get a lot of shunning because I said the theaters can't afford, like, cause we're moving into a new direction mm-hmm. and theaters are going to try to take advantage of them not having a lot of money and say, well, we need interns uh, and we need them for free. Or even worse, there are places that say you have to pay to be an intern at this place. Mm-hmm. And that is criminal because we are 
we are artists telling other artists that their training is not worth that artists aren't worth something. And it's something to get that from somebody else, but it's to get the pe from the people that you respect, the people you admire to tell you, you are not worth something is probably one of the most heinous things that we can do as artists. If we don't support each other, the reason artists welcome those who are always outsiders is because we know what it is to be outsiders and we have we are making great pains to create worlds that are safe for others the people who are the others and not to gatekeep our world by making it that you have to be so fiscally sound your family has to be so fiscally sound that you have that you can depend on somebody else's money in order to get a proper education at some of the best places mm -hmm. is total gatekeeping and yeah. and it's gatekeeping at its worst because it keeps people who are disadvantaged out and it's so important that someone in a position like yours who's so well respected and you know seasoned in what you do is bringing that up you know because a lot of people wouldn't maybe have have the privilege to bring that up, but it's also a lot of flack that that's a big risk that you're taking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But how dare we say that we're inclusive? How mm -hmm. dare we say we speak for everyone or we, we want our theater to portray everyone and then gatekeep the next generation who has stories and who have voices that we have to hear. I mean, how many indigenous theater pieces have you seen? How many Asian theater pieces you have you seen? The ones that I've worked on have just exploded. They were so good and people were dying to see these things. I'm talking about like soft power. And then there was David Byrne from The Talking Heads when he, and Alex Timber directed Here Lies Love about Imelda Marcos. That was just all Filipino. And, and the, 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 it was so earth shatteringly good. People go to a doctor when they feel sick, people go to the theater to heal their soul. And the great thing about being a prop master, Allie, is you can also make the soapbox that you're going to talk from. <laughs> <laughs> and weather it just so that's so perfect. Oh, totally. I mean, but on that note, do you have any advice for people who look up to you, who, who love proptology who would want to do this for a living any advice yeah um <laughs> find your passion yeah find what you're good at take inventory of what you're great at and what you're not so good at and exploit the things you're good at and find the opposite side of that so if you're a carpenter look for sewing skills or if you're a uh, soft goods person or sewer look to do uh, sculpting. If you're a sculptor, look to do casting so that you have double the amounts of blades when you come into the fight. You have a phone on you that has a camera. <laughs> Take pictures of everything you do through the process that you do it in order to show people like, this is what I started with. This is what I ended up with. And these were the problems that I had in between. Mm -hmm. And sh be crazy enough that people like you 
show up early and uh, do good work. That's it. And you will work for the rest of your life. (laughs) That's so great. Be crazy enough that people like you show up early and do good work. That's it. I'm telling you, his life lessons are so good. And final listener question, Leah Lodovico, I think. Beautiful. Beautiful rendition on my part. Do proptologists carry utility belts? And if so, what would you say are the essential items in a prop utility belt? Uh, Penny cutting scissors. The scissors that that EMTs keep that you always always have. Mm -hmm. Brushes, you know, paint brushes that go from really fine to giant chip brushes that you can throw away. A hot glue gun with plenty of hot glue, a small container of wood glue, uh, screws of various size, (laughs) uh, a square, a combination square, a pencil, a pen, and a nail set. (laughs) Perfect. Yep, that's it. (laughs) That's it? And you're done! (laughs) Yes! Okay, two more. I always ask worst thing about your job thing that sucks the most it can be anything it can be petty it can be huge it can be uh, anything i think i think the thing that sucks the most is um funding for the arts Mm. it's it's the lack of money uh but that does make you more creative the other thing so that's the politically correct one that i'm going to say Mm-hmm. The other thing is people who believe that they are important. <laughs> and the thing about working at the public theater is there are so many, I mean, Meryl Streep started there. Al Pacino started there. Uh, there's a history, I mean, hair, a chorus line, fun home, Hamilton, all these incredible, incredible plays. So you are walking amongst giants and a lot of the great things about the public is, is that there are no egos. And if you come into that place with an ego, you will be shut down and crushed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's and that's that's great. And people who who do try that get shut down and crushed. People who believe that they're more important. There was a, a director uh, uh, who was sitting, who will remain nameless. One of the backstage crew said, I really, really appreciate what you're doing with this show. It's great to see so many talented people creating such great art and the director says oh my god thank you so much i've been waiting for your approval this entire time oh god and everybody was just like (laughs) we need to kill this guy (laughs) of course it was a white man so yeah (laughs) so that's what that's what that's that's what what stinks yeah okay well then easy question what do you love the most about being a proptologist uh the gasps the magic when it happens and people are like, how do you do that? There is a uh, magic table in Tempest and the director was like, we probably can't do this because there's a limited amount of money. I was like, no, we can do it. I said, you just give me one second where people pass by this table and food will appear. And I said, if you give me a second one, I will give them glasses. And she was like, okay, let's do it. And it's seamless. And you can see that happen or like the breaking of the wall, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's the things that you know that people see that are that the, the, it's the magic it's the mm-hmm. magic and it's it makes me feel like a kid again you know to to show somebody something that uh, kind of blows them away and makes them 
feel wonder again. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're doing it all the time. You're amazing. <laughs> you you're wonderful. You. I'm going to make uh-huh. you be friends with me forever. Deal we're, with it. Totally, totally. Pinky swear <laughs> right now. Here you go. Pinky's up. So ask prop masters improper questions because life is short and they are wise and you'll never look at any object the same way. So follow, follow, follow Jay Duckworth at the links in the show notes. He is Proptologist on TikTok. His website is Proptologist.com. He is jduck9 on Instagram and Twitter. He also has an Etsy shop called Professor Duckworth's Unique Goods for Uncommon Folks. And he has a red bubble filled with charming and hilarious t-shirt designs. And he is at Proptologist on that. We are at Ologies on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Allie Ward with one L on both. There's Ologies merch available at ologiesmerch.com. Thank you, Shannon Feltis and Bonnie Dutch of the comedy podcast You Are That for managing merch. Also, side note, quick plug for Futurology guest Rose Eveleth's Flash Forward book, which comes out this week. There's more info at flashforwardpod.com slash book. I'll link that in the show notes because y'all love Rose Eveleth and so do I, and I'm so excited for her. Um, thank you, Aaron Talbert, for managing the Ologies podcast Facebook group. Thank you, Noelle Dilworth and Susan Hale for managing so much behind the scenes or in the collections, if you will. Thank you, Emily White of The Wordery for making transcripts available at alleyward.com slash Apologies dash extras, Caleb Patton bleeps them, professional hunk and editor Jarrett Sleeper, and the mustachioed master Stephen Ray Morris put all these pieces together. And also, happy belated birthday to Stephen Ray Morris, which was last week. Happy, happy birthday. We're so glad you exist. And also to my dear friend Colleen Flanagan and my niece Olivia. Uh, Nick Thorburn wrote and performed the theme music each week, and I confess my heart to you. At the end of the episode, I tell you a secret after the credits. And I need to tell you, this week's secret is that I started to ask Jay a question about starting from scratch. Uh, and where are you getting most of your stuff? Do you have to start? Do you have to start? Do you have to start from scratch? Do you? <laughs> and he thought I must have like really done my research because I sell shirts on Redbubble under Proptologist. But when you said that thing, and I, I don't know if it's going to be edited out, but I made a shirt. That said, Shark Week. Remember when you said Shark earlier? And I was like, because I, I was like, I've, that's always been sitting in back of my mind that I always wanted to have a shirt that said that. And so I opened a red bubble store just so I could make a shirt for that. Oh, it's going to stay in now. <laughs> Wonderful. And with that, we'll see you back next week. Bye bye. Pachydermatology, homeology, cryptozoology. Lithology and technology, meteorology, 